Rats. What do they want from us? Rats. Why are they man's enemy? Rats. They are watching and waiting. Rats. Their time has come. Why do rats repel us? What is it about those little furry bodies that's so frightening? Just think of them close to you. They're here. They're coming. God, no. Who could stop them and how? Rats are here, under our feet, all around us. Come on, out in the open so I can smash you to pieces. Come to the slaughter. A strange rat from another community came into it. He was soon killed. And afterwards eaten. Seething, teeming millions. Their little red eyes gleaming with rage and hunger. And they are waiting for you. I'm warning you. Drop the guns, Kurt. Go on. You'll never get away. You two move that console and barricade yourselves in. No. I'll try to stop them. Rats, they're waiting for you. Because this is your night of terror. Here come the rats. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bloody Pit. I am Rod Bardet, and tonight, three of us join around a table with a peanut gallery that we will not name. And tonight, we return to the very strange thread of shows in which I got to pick this time. So I am the one to blame. All brickbats can be thrown in my head. Brickbats. Is that like a bailiwick? <laughs> yes, it's a multi-syllable word that's supposed to make me sound smart, and you're supposed to ignore the fact that I sound smart. It just what it makes you sound old. The asshole to my right <laughs> is John Hudson. Mr. Hudson, I already know how you're feeling because you're up my house already. How's it going, Ben? I'm not up there. <laughs> <laughs> it certainly feels that way. He's hovering around it. Yeah. <laughs> and across the table from him is Bobby Hazard, Mr. Hazard. What's going on? Hey, everybody. How have you been doing, bud? I've been doing as best as I fucking can be. Well, that's uh, usually pretty good, so I think we're all right. Let's see, how we, let's see how we go about this. Now, I have wanted to talk about this movie for a number of years, uh, not because I hold it up as some kind of virtuous, awesome piece in cinema, uh, just nothing that, it's not a classic, except in my limit. But there is a lot of joy that I have always gotten from Rats, Nights of Terror, from 1984. And it comes from the very first time I ever saw it, which was on DVD, back when it got issued, I think, in the early 2000s. That sounds so over. Yeah, yeah. And I, I've always loved the kicker, and that's the one, that's the thing that anybody who's ever seen the movie is going to remember forever, is that kicker at the end, which is kind of telegraphed a little bit, but it still has a nice punch. The... Yeah. Oh, your premium? 
What the hell are you talking about? He was the kicker for the Miami Dolphins on the 72 team. And we now send Mr. Hudson to the showers. So, you <laughs> are talking football. We need to like move, move back into shitty Italian settlement from the All right, and get back off right. All right, damn near. Anyway, rats, not to terror, may have been my first encounter with that epic director, the man of the hour, someone who I admire in a way that's probably, probably a mistake, Bruno Batai. This was during a period in which Bruno Batai and Claudia Fragasso were a directing, producing team, making a shitload of movies, the most famous of which would be Trolls Movie. Yes, exactly. Now, there's always been a lot of back and forth about who directed which film, this, that, or the other, but I think we can safely say, because several people involved in the making of this particular film stress it, that this is definitely a Bruno Matai film. Now, having seen a lot more Bruno Matai films over the ensuing years, I can attest that seeing a Bruno Matai film is a singular experience, because they're usually, they're usually pretty bad. I love them. I love them too. I, love I'm not, I, I, I want to stress. I do too. And I actually wanted to tell how I discovered Bruno's oh. body work. It, it, was, it was totally by accident. And the, um, I guess around 1984 or so, Elvira showed a film called Night of the Zombies. It was a really bad zombie film starring, um, oh gosh, our first porn reference of the night, starring porn star Jamie Gillis. Okay. And it was Night of the Zombies. It was, it was okay, but. My parents, in about 1986, got a satellite dish back in the days when everything was free. If you had a satellite dish, you could get everything. And I was home one summer from college and was taping stuff. I'd watch movies all day, stay up all night, tape stuff when I had to sleep, and then watch those the next day. So one night I see in the satellite guide a movie called Night of the Zombies. So I thought, well, that's the Jamie Gillis thing that Elvira showed. I'll watch that and see it uncut. So I get up the next day and watch it, and it's Hell of the Living Dead. Hell of the Living Dead. Uh, and I went into that just... Bobby, you have that on 4K now. Not yet. Oh, I thought you had it already. Oh, no, I was planning to get it. We'll get to that. But I go into Hell of the Living Dead completely blind, no idea what I'm about to get into. And within <laughs> 10 minutes, like, well, I think I've just seen God. <laughs> <laughs> Hell of the Living Dead, for those of you that aren't aware, is a film that is um, almost indescribably fucked. It is a strange movie on almost every level. It has a stolen goblin score. It has more animal stock footage than you can shake a, a, a wombat at. It's a very strange movie. But it does have it does have a character actor in a tutu being eaten by zombies, and you can't go wrong with that. With that scene alone, the movie kind of sells itself and makes you want to see it in 4K if you've been hit in the head with a brick. But what was your first encounter with Bruno Atala? Well, here's the thing. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure when I was a kid, I saw Hell of the Living Dead. I would pretty, pretty much watch any Italian zombie movie I get my hands on. Yeah. And I remember the cover. I'm pretty sure I rented it. I've even owned a double feature until 10 minutes before you called me and told me that we were going to do Rats Night of Terror. Yeah. I actually sold it to the singer of my band, Jimmy. Uh, and I was like, uh, that just walked out the door, Rod. Says, <laughs> <laughs> I was going to get Hell of the Living Dead on 4K eventually. And uh, here's the thing. I've probably seen that movie about three or four times. I still don't remember a damn thing about it. 
What hell, a living dead? Yeah, I don't remember anything about it. It is. It 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 squirms its way out of your brain in a way that rats really doesn't. There's something about rats that sticks there because it has some very bizarre images that you just can't ever forget, no matter how hard you might try. Now, I will say, I did not ever hear about Rats Night of Terror until, uh, what was the Robert Rodriguez channel that was around for a while? El Ray. El Ray. They were doing uh, commercials for that uh, during the Lucha Underground. Mm. And I was like, what the hell is this Italian post-apocalyptic movie about rats? Why do I not know about this? That was the first time I'd ever heard about it. So now, obviously, I've seen the movie about three or four times, and I do remember that. But Rats Night of Terror... Let's just say, out of all of those weird, all, out of all those genre films, the horror films and and uh, thrillers that Fregasso and Real Matai produced during the '80s, this is the one that I like the most because it's the one that I can it is is bad. And, and believe me, I'm going to enumerate the things that are that are in this film that I think are terrible, um, starting with every single line of dialogue ever uttered by anyone <laughs> in this film. It all sounds like. It, it all sounds like it was roughly translated from Portuguese into English and then back to Italian and then English again before anybody ever spit it out of their mouth. But the the joys of it do come in in that it's kind of it's kind of something that mixes two or three different things together without knowing what it's ever going to do next. Because I mean, are we going to have a strange sex scene? Are we going to have uh, I don't know a bunch of rats that? really don't seem all that interested in human beings kind of just scurrying around the floor trying to pretend like we're going to be threatened by them. Are we going to have uh, thorough, bizarre just bursts of profanity that don't really seem to be lined up correctly in English? I'm going to have a guy try to be Kurt Russell with a flamethrower. There's that. I can't wait to get to my favorite button. <laughs> oh my god. Well, anyway, Rats Night of Terror is a post-apocalyptic film. It takes place in the year, okay, I, I I gotta love this. Any film that starts with as portentous a beginning voiceover as this movie deserves to be talked about in hushed tones. And so here's what I'll do. There's a lot of dialogue scrolling at very beginning. Yes, there's a lot of This movie thinks it's Star Wars, for God's sake. Begins like so. In the Christian year 2015, the insensitivities of men finally triumphs. And hundreds of atom bombs devastate all five continents. Five continents. Five continents. Now, here's the thing. Could have devastated the seven seas, but never mind. We decided to stick it to the land, fuckers. Atlantis gets a gets a complete pass in this. We don't have to worry about them, right? So, what about that's a different? That's a very different. What about Australia and Antarctic? Clearly, everything's fine. Don't have to worry about them. Everything's good. I guess. Well, after this destruction, the survivors seek refuge underground. And that era became known as After the Bomb, the period of the second human race. 100 years later, several men chose to revolt and return to the surface of the Earth because they were just tired of being ruled over by the man. Okay, I'm, I'm, paraphr I'm paraphrasing now. I have to. So they returned to the surface of the Earth and they call themselves the New Primitives, or at least they're called the New Primitives because God knows nobody ever utters that phrase in the film. That sounds like a hell of a garage band, doesn't it? <laughs> I thought it sounded like a, a cheesy 80s band. That too. Possibly yeah, that, that, with a little too much keyboard? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, we were, we were going to call ourselves the Primitives, but a band from the next counties was called the Primitives. We're the New, 
What, what's the band from the late 90s that had that one single hit where they did do something? You radicals. That's what, oh, I heard that. Yeah, okay, that's true. Yes. <laughs> Sadly, I have to say, it's not a bad song <laughs> for what it is. And that they included Kristen Wine and Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko. And we have our we have our first side track and back on here we do. Well, the people living underground view the new primitives, the people who have returned to the surface of the earth, as savages. This story, this film, takes place in the year 225 AB because we're going to set it 200 plus years in the future and still have way too many modern references for that to really. And keep in and keep in mind at this point the nuclear war should have happened eight years ago in our time. Exactly. Well, I do look upon 2015 as the moment where everything did start to go to shit, mainly because of a ride down an escalator. But we'll talk about that some other. They came at me a few years later. <laughs> That's right. Well, I remember we were standing in the mall, and suddenly here comes Ryan down an escalator. I know. I was like, we all looked at each other and like, it's all. <laughs> We knew it from that moment on, all was done. Anyway, part of the reason I enjoy this movie as much as I do is because it is a post-apocalyptic film. And without, if, if this movie just started without that bullshit scroll at the beginning, it'd be the same movie. You don't really need the information in that. But I gotta say, it, it does make me smile a bit more to know that they're really working their ass off to set up the whole people underground People back on the surface of the earth. Considering how we're going to progress through this movie, you really are not going to miss that. <laughs> yeah, I know. There's no, there's no, there's no way to miss it. Well, at any rate, the the fun of this, to a large degree, is it does fit comfortably in the post-apocalyptic stuff from the mid '80s. And I've been having a ball. I've been having a blast with Adrian over on Wild Wild Podcast. We've been doing that series on both uh, Italian post-apocalyptic films, and uh, just recently uh, we did one that I'd never seen before, called A Man Called Rage. Which uh, I haven't seen that either. Which strangely enough is just sitting there on YouTube. You can watch it, and I gotta say, it's it, don't get me wrong. It's got a lot of stupid shit in it, but it enter- it really entertained me. A man called Lathe was a real surprise. I mean, you gotta think like yeah, there's there's some some of those movies that are so great, like Brock's Warrior. That's what. Well, yeah, in- it's a great movie. I love it. It's like the Road Warrior meets the Warriors. Uh huh. Like I, it's, this is still has for a right. I mean, it's 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 wonderful, and I love all of those weird variations where they're essentially trying to do Escape from New York, yeah, the Warriors, and the Road Warrior. They just kind of cram those three films into one yeah. and see what they came up with. In some cases, you got something really interesting, something kind of fun. In some cases, you got rats, which is, in my opinion, a shitload of fun, but at the same time, kind of a disjointed, weird ass thing. This movie is also primarily a horror movie. I mean, you can't go you can't go four or five minutes. I was gonna time it and then realize that my initial thought that there was at least one horror sequence, one gross sequence or one violent sequence every five minutes. No, it's it doesn't take every five minutes. It's it's more frequently than that in certain yeah. points of the movie where it's, there's a lot of it going on. So there's a there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of blood, a lot of guts, a lot of violence, a lot of weirdness, two boobs. Uh, I was about to say, you're gonna, you're gonna go down. You gotta put down the uh, the, the Joe Bob the Joe Bob Briggs rankings. I hadn't even thought about that. But the, well, right. the food, beer bog food, a hey, hey, penis food. And there's a, there's a dangler in this. It's true. That's sexy. That's equal opportunity nudity from both genders. 
I'd like to thank everybody out there. Well, something for the lake. Oh, there's something. No, I forgot you see some sausage in this. It's true. What do you do? I forgot about it as well. But something, well, there it is. All of that. Don't get that as often. Of course, this is also a fellow which a rat enters a woman's vagina and kills her that way. So keep that in mind as well. Equal opportunity? Not so much. So this is, to my mind, one of the better post-apocalyptic, low-budget Italian things that isn't actually good, but I love it anyway. See, I can defend a lot of them. I can defend a, a, a number of them. Like you said, Rock's Warriors, I can defend that one all day long. With all its quirks and weirdnesses and the things that, that don't work. This one, I, I know it's an uphill climb to, to defend, but I do really enjoy this movie. So I think I just want to mention, we're talking about this, is uh, Michael Weldon from Psychotronics said this, basic, this movie basically has the same plot as Joseph Duvath. Yeah, pretty much. Which I've never seen. It's an interesting film, uh, 74, I think. It's, it's interesting. It's not great. It's, uh, to my mind, a one-time watch, but it's worth a one-time watch. And also, here's a further fun fact. Uh, Rapt is, in fact, released, disguised as a second sequel to Bronx Warriors were released in Germany. Well, I didn't know that. Didn't That's what Scream War Man says. I did not prefer it, but it's an interesting fact, nonetheless. And if, it's, if it's wrong, then... The film also follows a lot of the same beats as Night of the Living Dead, as you... Yep, this is very true. It is very much a siege story. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it doesn't look like it's going to be that when the film begins, but it certainly ends up that way. They get there they get there in a little bit of a roundabout way, but it's uh, once they get there, it's, it's, it's unmistakable that that's what we're dealing with. That we do not have... We do not play the whole, uh, we need to stay upstairs or we need to go downstairs dichotomy. We don't get that that fight back and forth. Mainly because I don't know that anybody was actually like pushing probably fell into the basement to stay with all where all the hydroponic setups was. But and the rats seemed to be, you know, having a fun time swimming in the water supply, so might as well stay away from it. So one interesting fact that I found out about this is the sets were actually from uh once a time in America once upon a time in America. Yes. And once they pointed that out, image, you know, they they juxtaposed uh, a cut from a, a cut scene from um once upon a time in the West and one of the extras on the Blu-ray, it's like, oh shit, that is, that's the same place that Boston brother that, and that, uh, that big, uh, place with the bay windows. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Uh, all in, and all in a, all in a better film. Yeah. Rats. <laughs> rats. Once upon a time in America. Yeah. Well, about a boy, you know, once upon a time in America, rats. You can flip the coin to decide which one's better. I mean, really, it's yeah. I mean, it's a re it's a real. We it'd be a debate, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, your rules of debate. Which like tomato, I say tomato. I'll just say, people, go see Once Upon a Time in America and find the longest cut you can find and just wallow. Now, with this film, at either of you, I mean, I'm assuming. Well, that's true. Both of you had seen this movie yeah. before. Yeah. So, how long how long had it been since you revisited? I'd say for me, maybe. I can't remember when I bought my last copy of it, but I say three, four years. But Joker, yeah, at least five for me because I remember watching it in my old pre-marriage mm -hmm. where I lived. So, so it's been at least five years. It had probably been longer than that for me, and I don't, I don't know exactly why. It's just one of those things that, like a really good wine, you want to let it age a little bit before you go back to it. You want to make sure that it's going to taste as good as you remember it. It's a perfect vintage. It's a 1984 post-apocalyptic Italian film. You don't want to take too many of those in a row because then you kind of spoil the flavor and the enjoyment. 
I'm going to say that more for Bruno Matai films. Just apocalyptic films. I've actually been watching a ton of those lately because Severin has released so many. Oh, yeah. And I watched like the Caligula one that he did. And um, I haven't watched this Caligula film. Yeah, I was watching it. But I told Laura the next day because uh, she, of course, went to bed. You know, she comes through and sees something like that on. I'm leaving, you know, but well, there's no reason for your wife to watch a Caligula film, especially not any of those Italian ripoffs. She's like, well, how was it as well? I've never seen a movie where they jack off a horse before. <laughs> well, it has. It made yeah. well in America. That's well, that's actually, you're right. Come to think of it. But how, how, how can that slip your memory? That's just saying, oh, that's, that's true. And that's one of the first actors in that film was porn star Paul Thomas, who had this, who played the truck driver. Not only that, I mean, if you watch that scene in Emmanuel in America, you've got to be the second happiest person that's involved in that whole story. It's the horse is the, the, the horse, the horse, of course. Yeah, and it, the actually, horse it's been a long time since I've seen that. I saw that on Cinemax or something when I was in college. So, well, you got a box set, right? Not yet, not yet. I'll be getting it. Right. Well, <laughs> I am very surprised. There has been so much crap coming out lately. It's impossible to keep up, keep up with it all. Well, I know it's just you know, having to pick and choose is pure hell to be honest. I I own the only Black Emmanuel movie I'll ever know, which is Emmanuel and the Cannibals, and that's pretty much it for me. That's a fun one. I just cannot see myself. No offense, Kayla. I can't see myself sitting through 24 Emmanuel films. Is that how many there are? There are? I think I've only seen like eight. I thought I was some loosely affiliated one. Feb that the act, too. The only thing I really want to see on that box set is the uh, documentary, but I'll spot that eventually. What about the Laura Ginzer workout tape that's on here? Well, you'll bring that over and we'll watch that. And we'll we'll exercise together. Yeah. They'll keep us out. Oh, huh. Yeah, I'm sure there'll be a lot of sweat involved. <laughs> God. Speaking of, I have the soundtrack to the Linnea, Qu- Linnea Quigley uh, workout tape on its way to my house right now. Dear God. I couldn't believe it. That, that that's actually gotten a digital release. I could not believe it. No, it's, it's, it's got a Blu-ray release, but yeah. it also has a LP release. Oh, did the soundtrack? There's an ointment. The soundtrack? Oh, that's wild. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's. I'm in the Terror Vision Club. I'm getting it. It's just, we live in strange times. Oh my God! Okay, so just out of curiosity, yeah. Since we all we we all do love the the Italian apocalypse, post-apocalyptic films, just off the top of your head, I mean, you've already mentioned Bronx Wars. Like, what do you think is your favorite of that particular that subsection? The Italian ones, the rip the ripoff films. Which is your favorite? Probably Bronx Warriors is my favorite. Did up, yeah. See, I've always had. Don't get me wrong. I, I I I admire that choice and I understand it, but I've always had a soft spot for the New Barbarians as well. That was a good one. And so it it there for a long period of time, I had to I had to watch one or the other to remember which sequences in which film belonged to the other film, because there's just he's got Fred Williamson, and so there's it's like wait a minute, is this, is this the one with the crossbow in it? Is uh, I anyway, the that whole genre, like I say, currently just exploring and discovering that there are a couple I've never seen is a bit of a shock. And once again, people, A Man Called Rage is on YouTube. And if you want to see Rats Nights of Terror, um, it's sitting on Tubi. So you can go to Tubi and stream that sucker immediately. Oh, you know, there's another, I nearly forgot. I think my favorite is actually Grunt the Post-Apocalyptic Red Flag. <laughs> was, that, was that a sequel, prequel? We've just always said it wrong. It's Grunt. Oh, Stamai. I had no idea there was a subtitle. It's in Italian. Unbrunt. It's good to know. So really working hard to entice me to see this. I sure am. Once again, 
a fail. Well, I tried. You don't know what you're missing. Oh, I, I, I think I'm pretty damn sure I know what I'm missing. You don't know what you're missing. It's Colin Perot, the wrestling movie. I think I fucking know what I am missing. Oh, you don't. You do. When this film begins, once we get past the portentous Star Wars crawl, my favorite, I have so many yeah. favorite things. Yeah, we got the first scene. <laughs> Wait a minute, the, yeah. No, we haven't got anywhere near this movie yet. <laughs> one, one of my favorite things <laughs> is that the first thing we see are a bunch of bikers driving through some desert landscape, dodging an iguana. There, We get the camera on the iguana. We hear the motorcycles and the different vehicles coming into the scene. And then we see them drive by. And it is very clear that that iguana probably belonged to somebody because they're making sure they don't run that fucker over. And there's a part of me, when they start talking about eating rats, just a few minutes later, that's thinking, I think iguana's probably good. He put that damn thing on a spit and put it over a fire. But I guess we're not going to squish. Well, you can only barbecue those in Tijuana. <laughs> uh, it's only legal there. That would be a little wall of voodoo for everybody out there. <laughs> Thank you very much. God. So we have this group of bikers slash soldier looking guys. Look, basically, people who look like they walked out of, uh, they looked at like they walk, walked out of a, a midnight screening of the Road Warrior and went, Yes, that is what I want to do the rest of my life. That right there. Or they currently look like they're members of the Bullets. <laughs> True. Except for video, who's doing his Macho Gordner cosplay. Colt, <laughs> born with that white fro, what else did that do? I mean, that, yeah, okay, let's, let's talk. I mean, but if you got it, I mean... Oh, well, yeah. I mean, the, you're going to get the ladies if you go out and... And murder murder Gordner it up? I mean, if you Gordner it up, the ladies will come a call. I'm I'm not sure you're right about that. I think you've invented a new phrase, Gordner it up. <laughs> <laughs> And now that I think about it, Marjorie Gordner did fight a giant, giant rat in Food of the Gods. So, I mean, there's there's a little a lot of stuff. Synchronicity. Yeah, it's true. Okay, okay. I'm, I'm totally fine with Gordner. He's he's a man among men. Yes, he is. He's been in a lot of great movies. Star Crash, Food of the Gods. Marjo was a good documentary. Mm-hmm. Earthquake. Oh, I forgot who's. He gets to go crazy in Earth. Evil Knievel. He was an evil Knievel? Oh, shit. Was he a Viva Knievel? I reckon it was Viva Knievel. It was one of the Knievels. Wh- wh- which one had Lizzie Eels and this a bad guy? I cannot remember it. Wow. I forgot that glorious period of the 70s where Leslie Nielsen was allowed to be a bad guy before Airplane totally totally sidelined all of that into him being nothing but a comedian. So. But you're wrong. He was a villain at Creek Show. 
Yeah, but that was around the same time. It's like Airplane was 1980, Creepshow was yeah. 80, no, 82, well, 82. Mm-hmm. So that's that transition period. Yeah. Like a two, three year period in between. So yep, yep, yep. Bella, we're, we're tired. He's such a great villain in show. Anyway, of course, nothing more villainous than him in Day of the Animals. Oh, yeah, because they jerked off in that. It was crazy. That's your Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. That, that's the scene with, for the ladies where he takes the shirt off and gets sweaty and wrestles a bear. And guess, guess who saw that? <laughs> 35 millimeter. Oh, I wish I had. I love that movie. And I also saw Viva Knievel. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Oh, I know. Dude, Weird Wednesday. <laughs> it was a treasure trove of these kind of things. Nice. Nice. I'm trying really hard to not be both green with envy and murderous with rage. So, well, my lord. Tell me, what's your favorite character in this movie? And I use character in big, big quotes. <laughs> my, my favorite character in this movie? Hmm. I would have said chocolate. Oh, okay, okay. I love chocolate. Well, Greta Greta, the actress who plays chocolate, is actually a lot of fun. Probably seen her in a number of films. Uh, she was in Murder Rock for Fulcine. Yes. Uh, later on, she was in Shocking Dark for Fergasso, the same production company. All those movies. Very memorable in uh, Damon. Damon, for yeah. Verdo Bottle. Um, one of my favorite uh, lesser known post-apocalyptic films of this period, 2020 Texas Gladiators. Yeah. And Lisa Brawler. Pretty great because there's some, the, the, she's uh, she's done a number of interviews about this. And I think it's hilarious, the story she tells. But you remember, this is a this is an African-American lady who grew up in Portland, Oregon, and yet she ended up in a number of these films of the 80s. And them having a pretty steady career doing different things for the past 30 freaking years. And she tells the story about how she, she didn't speak Italian. And so she had a pocket dictionary and translated the, the, the all, all the, uh, the dialogue that she had with this pocket dictionary so she could figure out what she's supposed to be saying. And that to my mind is just a woman who knows this is going to be difficult and we're going to work at this. I just want to say my runner up, my second favorite is Taurus, who strangely enough looks like Austin Aries. <laughs> He's a wrestler, like the guys who star in Grunt, the post-apocalyptic wrestling movie. Sadly, not in Grunt, because he's <laughs> probably a kid. Nevertheless, don't know any of this, don't care. Moving on. People also really hate him now. Yeah. What about you? And now I'm drawing a blank on his name, but the... Uh, the bald guy. Uh, the mo- oh, oh, the guy with the, the trunk? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I can't remember his character's name. He had a great screen presence. I think it's yeah. like the people in the movie. He's the one that you, your eyes are drawn to all the time. I thought he was really good. Well, he gets one of my favorite little little subtle creepy moments, which is when they're burning all those, when they're torching all the bodies to get rid of them. And he, he has that, uh, he, said, he says that little uh, piece of the Latin mass over their bodies. And it's, it's actually an honestly creepy moment, and he and he delivers it well, even though, you know, we're talking about a, a, a dubbed film where the lips never match anything that's coming out of the soundtrack. But he actually, you're right, he does he does do some convincing work in the film, and he's got, a, he's got a unique look. And that's another thing. This is one of those things that's, it's, so it can bug you if, you if you think too hard about it. And it's been a, it's been a thing in movies involving uh, you know gangs of one type or another ever since, really Assault on Precinct Thirteen, which is the 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 gangs that kind of seem to exist in real life tend to be fairly homogenous groups, whereas in the movies it's just everybody and their grandmother, 
couple of black folk, Mexican guy, Chinese guy, a few white guys, somebody who looks like, you know, maybe he shouldn't be in this movie because he doesn't have any hair. A Marjo guy. Yeah, a Marjo Gordon kind of guy. Austin Aries. Austin Aries guy. And you end up with this this very heterogeneous group of people and you're just thinking, well, what brought them together? Well, at least here we know. What brought all these people together is that they rebelled against those damn people under the man. Well, and that these are the these are the warriors. And and in the movie's defense on this, if you and I can't believe we're thinking this hard about this. <laughs> but it could also be that these are just the people that happen to be alive who found each other. And, and, and well, that's more of what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, probably so. Probably so. But we're thinking way too much about this, considering we haven't even gotten two minutes past the opening credits. Well, let's just say we're breaking this thing down like it's Citizen Kane. Hey, <laughs> I haven't even talked yet about the film stock use. So just hold on to it. I'm not going to do it. Well, you know it's come. That's like, no, no, no. <laughs> You know, it's all the way everybody does. No. <clears throat> Let's do this, and maybe this will move us a little bit further along. I'll use the uh, plot synopsis that's on the, the Wikipedia page, and that will probably get us a little bit further, a little bit quicker. Um, Let's see how this goes, he said, hopefully. Set 225 years after a nuclear holocaust in 2015, the survivors are, are divided between those who live in, in comfortable underground cities and the new primitives who live in the sunlight. Well, they got a lot of sunlight in this movie. A group of 11 of these people come across some mysterious abandoned village. Or a backlot, depending on how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. Despite the presence of numerous horribly mutilated corpses, the adventurers decide to settle in town after discovering a large amount of food, as well as a greenhouse, with various fruit trees and a reservoir of drinking water. The following night, hundreds and hundreds of hungry genetically mutated rats are ready to attack them one by one. Now we get into some of my favorite characters. Lucifer and Lilith are making love in a sleeping bag, however, and are expelled from the from the group for being too loud. And let's be honest, they're being too loud. After an argument, Lucifer becomes intoxicated and is attacked and knocked into the sewer where he is devoured. At least we learn that later. At the same time, a sleeping Lilith... And by the way, let's discuss Lilith for a moment. Everybody else, everybody else besides Lilith is dressed like they're, they're, they're business. They're, they know their business. They're, they're ready for violence. They're ready for the post-apocalyptic hell that they're walking. She is wearing... She's wearing a, a body stocking and a cape and thigh-high boots. Please tell me you're not complaining. Oh, I'm not complaining. I am merely saying that this woman has Kill Me First written on her forehead. She looks like she just came from Party City. <laughs> She's decked. She's ready. She got the, she got the bargain costume. She, she's ready for goth night. Yes. Yes, indeed. And... And she's, and she's a person who doesn't know what God is, ready for God, right? I should say. <laughs> but she but she but she does she does have the uh, the uh, the uh, the eye makeup down pat. I'll give her that. I forgot that. Okay, so at the same time a sleeping Lilith is attacked and eaten from the inside. Now, this is a scene that plays less disgusting than it should, simply because it's all hidden in the sleeping bag because we get the payoff scene later on. It's with, very tastefully hint. For that. For the, <laughs> but then when the rat comes out of her mouth later on, that's when we get the payoff. 
So, you know, uh, I, I was scrolling through different reviews the other night, just trying to get some, see what I could find here and there. And most of us think that, of course, the rat crawled through her vagina, but one person thought the rat crawled through her butthole. You know, that's debatable. I hadn't thought about that. It is debatable, but I mean... You would think the vagina would be the more easy orifice to gain into. Yes. Especially how she's how she's laying on her back. Yeah, it'd be the, the first thing the rat would see. Yeah, and also, I now realize that whole phrase that Hudson uttered earlier about thinking too hard about this certainly applies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I'm going to go with vagina. No, I mean, that's what I think. They add, but I, just want, I want to throw that out there because it's, it's an interesting debate. It, it's, it's, I mean, you know, and it is, it's questionable. We'll ever know. But we, you know, I, I want to find the guy who's convinced that he went through her belly. I can't remember it's what. That's, that's a, that's an industrial. Wait, wait. Hang on a second. What did you, you say, Mrs. Hazard? That's her babies. <laughs> <laughs> Baby rats. What's <laughs> as, long, as long as you don't do anything to the belly button, there it ain't fine. Well, surprise, 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 Raquel, that ain't my finger. <laughs> but uh, oh. since, since, since we're paused right here, I did. I, I don't know that we're paused, but go ahead. Well, we're paused on that, and I'll, I'll kind of change and, and, and reverse this back a little bit. So we did pass by one thing, one thing that I, I have to mention, which is like, Favorite blood in the entire movie. Oh, okay, okay. You remember when they find the uh, control room? Yes. Okay, yes. And Video, who is a total moron, oh, I, thinks it's yeah. a video game. Yes, he does. He goes, I've never seen a video game at all that I can't, can't muster. And, but my question, once again, it's 225 years. It's, it's, like, it's 200 years from now. Oh, fuck, do you know what a video He does. It's pretty obvious he doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah, well, not only that. It's like, how is the word video still lurking around that some parent somewhere went, I'm going to name my kid that? What the fuck? Anyway. Hey, it's it was the 80s. I, I'm, a, I'm aware. Oh, Dale Rock. That's just the 80s. <laughs> That's the thing I get upset about. Video was a futuristic word, and I'm holding up air quotes. Futuristic word. It, it, the it, once again, big dick quotes. All right. Go for it. But the reason I want to bring notice to this is a comment was made by Chocolate to video if you can make it work she said i'll make you pregnant which which displays a distinct lack of understanding of how this works and, I, and mrs hazard was watching that and she looked at me and i said yeah no they're just trying to put words in their mouth yeah and no it doesn't make any sense and it never will I'm, it is I'm, my favorite line of the movie. I was funny I'm pretty sure it sounded better in the original Klingon, but I'm not possible. Well, Chocolate was all fired up anyway after she got that flower dumped on her head and she did the dance. So I'm whiter than all of you. Okay. What if I was also one of my other favorite parts. <laughs> Let's talk about that for a moment. We have a gorgeous African-American woman who gets flower dumped on her head and then starts dancing around and saying, I'm whiter than you. It's, it's like, cringe on top of what the fuck and it reminds me of one of the moments okay this happened many times in entertainment and i'm not sure why and i'm also not sure here's the thing what i remember is there was an episode of the television series of planet of the apes in which a, a an, an ape did this 
as well to pretend to, to make a joke about humans. And it still comes off as one of the most egregious, accidentally or maybe on purpose racist moments in the 1970s television. And if you watch some 1970s television, that's a long fucking list. This is the same thing years later. And it's one of those things where it's like, I'm not sure this was funny in 1984. I'm not sure this was, this is just cringe. This is weird. But hey, I guess we've got to have some kind of lighter moment, he said with the quotes here. Well, let's not forget about the most egregious moment of Wait, uh, the 90s television. Oh, the 90s. When Rowdy Roddy Piper yeah. did it with <laughs> Bad News Allen, and he was painted half black and half white. And he cut different promos. Yeah, he like cut his head for the black side and then turned his head for the white side. Are, you, are we talking about like the, the aliens on that one episode of Star Trek from the 60s? The half black, half white? No, Rowdy Roddy Piper. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is it, was it the same thing? No, he was half black and half white. That's what I'm saying. Is this, a, this was, this is that. Oh, I don't remember that at all. It's called Let, let, let That Be Your Last, last Battlefield. Frank Gorshin. Frank Gorshin, which makes it unforgettable. Let's, and possibly unforgivable. Who cares about Star Trek? We're talking about Red. Oh, I'm sorry. Here, you're right. Sorry. Let's just say uh, the Peacock probably does not have that on. That, uh, that, no, hey, Purdue. <laughs> uh, I think that's gone. <laughs> probably not. If we are going to talk about the rats, the physical rats, which we kind of got to do, I was I was happy to know. I mean, first of all, they look like rats to me, but everybody involved in the production insists that they were guinea pigs, and I don't think they like guinea pigs. Then. Mm-hmm. I think they're they're white lab rats that they like big legs, good size rats. They said they rolled around in a coal bin. Right, I can't quite buy, but they don't look like regular rats. And I think that's one of the things that works actually works for the film's advantage. One of the few things is like because they do have red eyes. They've got the really red eyes yeah. and they're really creepy looking and just naturally look that way. And I thought that was actually a good touch. They sort of stumbled into because they couldn't get real black rats. Well. From what I understand, getting real black rats, they would have regretted immediately because if they could, if, if if it was pure hell trying to get these damn things to do what they wanted to, at least with lab rats, they're they can you know push them, you know they can get a broom and push them in certain directions to get them to do certain things. But so uh, speaking of the rats, I mean, it's an Italian movie, so, so obviously, what we see on the screen, there is animal abuse. They're throwing rats on people, yep. dumping rats on top of people. They're setting rats on fire. fire. Greta Greta said that uh, some rats died on set and they continued to be used in the background by Mate to the point where the set began to swell. Oh, I have no doubt. Well, let's see. The, the whole sequence where uh, one of the characters gets uh, gets lit on fire, there, there are rats on him when he's on fire. There's one on his head that's like squirming around trying to figure out how to get the hell away from the flames. And then when he goes through the window, those rats fall off of them onto the sidewalk. And you can see them scurrying away. And I was like, well, those lived at least. I guess those are okay. Yeah, that was pretty crazy, too, because when you see the guy you know, on fire with that big hairy rat on top and said, for a second, oh, shat. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to Star Trek. <laughs> Never too far away. Well, the let's, let's give the movie its due. We get the first rat attack in this movie 13 minutes in. We're going to screw around. We're going to crank it up. We get some corpses at the beginning, some disgusting stuff, some bad ideas all floating around. And then your first rat attack 13 minutes in. And from there on, there's a grotesque, violent, or strange moment every couple of three minutes for the remainder of the 96 minutes this thing runs. It's hard to be bored by this thing. Yeah. You can laugh a lot at it. Don't get me wrong. 
but it's hard to be bored. I was kind of impressed. I didn't think about it until I was watching it for the second time this week. But we even get one of the all-time great Italian little telltales. We get a J&B bottle. Yes. Because we're at a bar. Mm -hmm. There are bottles behind the First of all, like I say, this is supposed to be 200 years from now. There's, there's, it's, it's not, it's not flying. But at any rate, get a J&B bottle. So we all know we're in, we're an Italian exploitation film. So uh, if we're going to the bar scene, yeah. obviously there's J&B. Uh, right next, uh, right across from it is an empty old English bottle. Yep. Uh, most of the others I can't make out. I did find out that that uh, Lucifer turned down the J&B. And he ended up drinking uh, black and white scotch. Is that what he's guzzling? That that is uh, just like JMB, another blended scotch. Okay, okay. Now, just know that for this episode, I had to I had to use the pause button in succession to slow motion it so I can make out the label. <laughs> Your suffering is no. Everyone, everyone, send money to Bobby Hazard. I'll take money, please. Yeah, I'd like some too, please. Okay, so uh, after after Lilith is killed by the rat in the most hideous way they can imagine, you know, um, well, the rat the rat does later emerge from her mouth, and that's the kind of payoff moment. Um, as this happens, the character Noah appears after also being attacked, and the leader of the gang, Kurt, is forced to kill him with a flamethrower. That's the that's the moment where we get the the burning guy. It's a pretty good burden. It is. We get burns. It's a good burn sequence. Yeah. I'm I'm really kind of impressed with it. It's something that the and um they talk about a little bit of the extras where they had learned their lesson on how to shoot salt the, these these fire stunts with uh multiple different angles so they could cut them together and make and you know draw it out so that it really seemed like this was going on a very long time. And that's it's a good sequence. I was impressed. So I want to say that scene I've uh, every time I've watched a movie, I've always been confused. Because I thought that guy was Lucifer who fell out of the sewer with the rats. Because they're looking for him. That guy shows up out of the blue. And he's been attacked by rats. He's been attacked by rats. See, that's, that's the most confusing point of the movie. I agree. I think it's Lucifer. And then they're looking for Lucifer. I'm like, what the fuck are they looking for Lucifer? They just shot him with a fucking uh, flamethrower. Who cares now? Well, part of it is we have 11 characters. And they're, and they're very, you know, very few of them are well-defined until they're already being off. And some of them, you don't even necessarily know their names because they're only uttered once, maybe. And he, and that character, the one who goes, who's, who's set on fire, is one of those characters that you just don't spend much time But he was, yeah, he was also killed off, like, way before, like, everything with Lucifer starting. So you go from, like, him getting killed off into the getting stuck in a sleeping bag where you're trying to fuck among everybody else. Yeah. And going over here, and then Lucifer being drunk. Like, you got all these scenes that happen, so you're like, well, I guess the other guy's dead, and then he pops back up, you think it's Lucifer. It's... Now, I, I agree. I agree. It's hard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Actually, one of the more difficult things about making a move. Well, this the group decides to barricade themselves inside until dawn, thinking that surely at dawn everything will be better, right? Barricade themselves in the place of the rats. Exactly. <laughs> best plan do. Yeah, I know. It's the best plan ever. And as they do, Diana is attacked and bitten multiple times, making her ill. Chocolate tends to Diana and tells the group she needs her bite wound treated or they will become infected. The men decide to go fetch medicine and water while the women keep an eye on Diana, but Duke refuses to help anyone and stays 
in safety because Duke is an asshole. He is Mr. Cooper. Mr. Cooper. Oh, well, yes, from my little again, you were correct. He is an asshole. He's an asshole with a shotgun that later on in the movie apparently has the capability of shooting roughly 10 shells without. I'm impressed. I'll hold that shot. Well, it is the future. I, you know, I forgot. I forgot that. You're right. Yes. I'm sorry. What slips my mind? Well, second lead Taurus is the next killed as the survivors attempt to escape the basement. As he falls down the stairs and is devoured, Duke loses his mind. Remember, Duke is the the boss. And he's the he's like the head. He's the one who kind of looks like a bearded uh, Kurt Russell. Kind of got that look. He's like the Italian Kurt Russell. Yeah. He wields a flamethrower pretty effectively, giving vibes of both Escape from New York and The Thing. He's also a huge dick. Uh, yes, yes. But he has, he has my favorite lines of dialogue, which begin with, Shit! Shit! That, without a doubt, best sequence of dialogue in the entire movie. I know, I just waited for Linda Day George to show up and go, I still They could just have a little duet. Honestly, it, 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 I'd like to have like a profanity off. That would be, that would be the best ever. But I'd sell tickets. Hell, man. I'd, I'd the beer concessions alone. Are they both still alive? Let's do those. I think I need to make this happen. Is Linda Day George still alive? Because that's because that actor's, I think, is still alive. He's, he, he's in the, he's in the uh, extras on the Blu-ray where they're, where they're talking together. I was about to say, Linda Day George's husband is not alive because he died. No, three. Sadly, Christopher George did pass away prematurely. But uh, when Duke loses his mind, he challenges Kurt for leadership. Duke loses his mind and challenges Kurt for leadership. Now it's it's Kurt that's the leader. I'll apo- I apologize. I get so lost by these four letters. Oh yeah, because I actually wrote Duke as a dick, and I thought I, I wrote that about the other guys. Yeah, and I and, and I forgot because of course they named him Kurt, Eddie, Kurt Russell. What a shock. Uh, nobody supports Duke because Duke is a dick, as we've talked about. He takes he takes uh, Myrna prisoner and attempts to escape. And Myrna is like a very weak-willed woman. I mean, <laughs> okay, I'll go along with you. You'll protect me. I'll help you. Yeah, sounds good. Linda Day George is still a lot. Oh, that's, ooh, that's good to know. Thank you for the update. Everyone, as of this date, <laughs> yeah. Linda Day George is still alive and capable of yelling bastard at us. Of course, with our luck, she'll die tonight, so this podcast will be instantly dated. Well, that's okay. We're always instantly dated, so it doesn't matter. Hurry, fill the bottle, Taurus. Kurt! Hurry up, can't you? The tank's full of rats. Water's polluted. Come on. In that case, I think we better head back. Kurt! The stairs are covered with rats. Shit! They're waiting for us. I'm gonna warm their whiskers. What the hell's the matter with this thing? It doesn't work anymore! Shit! Shit! Think of something, Kurt. They've got us in a trap. Taurus, give me your weapon. Hurry it up. There are millions of them. The revolting creatures are everywhere. i never seen so many. How can we get rid of them? What big teeth you have, Mr. Rat. <laughs> that's, a, that's a line I kept waiting for them to be in this film, but it never is. 
there's a, there's a lot of weird death. Once the deaths start happening, first of all, I love the fact that what happens is the rats gnaw the tires on the motorcycles and the various vehicles, and that's how they're stranded. Yep. At that point, somebody needed to have, somebody, well, none of them are smart enough, apparently, but somebody needs to have said, hey, I think we're all fucked. But what they do is instead bring out things like grenades and flamethrowers, and the grenades don't help because this dumbass ends up using a grenade by accident and, and kills Diana. Well, no, not Diana. He kills Myrna with the damn yeah. thing. And then it's Diana who retreats and commits suicide by slashing her wrist, and then they find her partially eaten body a few minutes later. Way to go, genius. We have cats. <laughs> did she miss the bench? I think she we, did. We have clumsy fat cats. <laughs> They'll do that. Well, they retreat again and find a recording of a distressed man. Now, this is when we get to we get to the recording with this guy warning anybody who finds the town that the rats will kill them like they have his friends. And it's like... They've already found all the dead people, which... Maybe hang a sign? <laughs> because we have to have power to hear this stupid freaking message from you in the first place? Well, and I think all the fresh corpses should have been enough of a warning that maybe we should... Yeah, not to this group. Something's not good here. Not to this group. It's not enough for this group to figure it out. Well, the survivors are once again attacked by the relentless rats, and uh, Deuce and Kurt sacrifice themselves to barricade the door to allow Video and Chocolate to escape outside, where teams in hazmat suits appear from the sewers, gas all the rats, and save this pair. So we actually do have a couple of people who survive the film. Now, now, before we get to this sequence, there's a couple of things I wanted to mention. First right. off, I love during all the rat attacks, the rats are clearly just being dumped by the bucket full oh, I know. of people's ads. It's, it's, well, not only that, in the, in the scenes where you're watching lots of rats on the floor, it's clear that they're just sitting there eating stuff that they throw on the floor just to keep them in the shot. Yeah, and you can see like rat turds everywhere. Oh, yeah, well, they would be there, yeah. My and, favorite thing is the... Uh, the the plastic rats yes. <laughs> <laughs> on the okay. conveyor belt. Yes. Now here's the thing. There's 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 a lot of talk from from the people who made this film about how uh, it didn't really work. Matai talks about oh, that conveyor belt. The conveyor belt rats don't look good and doesn't either. And yet they're one of my favorite things in the movie. That is one of the better parts of the movie. Yes. Because it actually they they do a good enough job with it that you know immediately what it is and they don't overuse it. And so to my mind, it's still kind of neat. But yeah, you know, they're from the same part of the animal kingdom that that little cow from Frankenstein conquers the world is from. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> they could be this. They could be. They're not. They're certainly not the same species, but maybe the same world. Yeah, <laughs> we have we have we have a shared universe here. Poor fucking cow. Anyway, <laughs> now now I can't stop thinking about that. So. I don't know that I want to, to talk about the ending yet, but I would like to say the ending is my favorite part. But for you guys, watching this film, going through it again, what are the what, what's your favorite parts of the film? What are the things that you really enjoy rewatching, good or bad? Oh, sheesh. There's not much in this film that's not enjoyable. It's, I think it's every awful. line of dialogue is wonderful, and that's something that... It's so bad. The, the missus dialogue. was coming through um, because I was sitting there, you know, watching... To take my notes and right. get ready. And she comes through, and I can't remember what line of dialogue. It doesn't matter. <laughs> but she like looked at the screen and just kind of shook her head. <laughs> uh, for me, um, 
you know, the I'm going to get you pregnant line will never not make mm-hmm. me laugh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, the rat conveyor belt. That may be the best scene. In that's that, is, that is probably one of the belt. best parts of the movie right there. Um, uh, the, the lady, uh, whose name I can't think of, Goretta Goretta. She's awesome. I love her to death. And by the way, I, I did mention it earlier, people. If you see any extras on a Blu-ray or DVD with her being interviewed... She's absolutely amazing. Yeah, she's she great, and she's totally also fine. in the uh, the Shutter series in Search of Darkness, where they it's sort of, it's kind of like one of those I love the '80s sort of things. Okay, but it's it's better than that. That doesn't do a good job of describing it. But they'll eat. They'll talk about just dozens of movies in a three hour sort of mini doc, and each movie gets two or three minutes, and they'll have different people talk about the movie, and she pops up a lot. And those things, and she's just endlessly entertaining. Yeah, she's she's great. She's uh, totally worth your time. I mean, she's she's certainly crazy. she's certainly got a lot of stories, and she's 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 a bit of a rock on tour. She really can tell these stories well. She's good at it, and it's clear that she looks back on that period of time happily. She enjoyed she enjoyed it, and she she has a lot of she has a lot of fun things to talk about when she's when she's looking back at it. So that's cool. So I just. To, so I just want to read some of my favorite notes I took. I didn't, wasn't able to go over. Uh, these future vehicles suck. Yes, they do. Vincent Dawn is a disco name. Uh, we should point out that Vincent Dawn is the pseudonym that Bruno Mattai used as a director's credit. I think he used it for uh, a number of films, and Hell of Living Dead would be one of those. Total Elimination Group is not a tag team. <laughs> it should be, though. <laughs> Well, they, uh, there's a tag team that did a, a move called Total Elimination. Mm-hmm. And That's the Eliminators. The Eliminators, yeah. Not in Grunt the Wrestling movie. Praise the Lord. Uh, burning Bodies is such a bummer. Luc- Lucifer needs to fuck somewhere else. But first, <laughs> comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta get into the laughs. Gotta get the laughs in, man. Gotta have some fun. Well, one of the things that bugs me about this movie, I've already mentioned, but I just want to point out that I can't imagine how people living 200 years past now after a post-apocalyptic bomb drop in 2015 would know what phones are, would remember certain specific uh, ad jingles about freezers. Remember that from the beginning of the film? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I didn't think about that. <laughs> there, there's, there are several things like that scattered throughout the film where it's just like, so is it just a few years from now or is it... 200 years from now. Well, that's a shame because those are the little moments that took me right out of the ultra-realistic real, rest of the film. <laughs> I felt the same way. It really yanked me out of the movie. It was casting its spell on me. I was starting to feel as if I was existing within its reality. And then somebody fucking knows where the phone is. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. What are we doing here? Uh, one other thing I wanted to mention is the score is by Luigi Giuliano. Yeah. Ciccarelli? Ciccarelli? Um, I'm sure one of those is right. Uh, uh, one review I read said it looked like he had just got a, got a keyboard that day. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say he did not spend a lot of time on it. I think so he probably didn't know. He needed $50 is what I like to say. <laughs> uh, but... And that being said, I do actually like it. Um, well, it, it certainly works as far as the film is concerned. It gets the job done. So I can't I can't say it's bad. I can just say that it's... Honestly, it's typical of these films from that period. So. 
what would have really been awesome if they'd had some terrible heavy metal playing it. Yeah. Place. That would be great. Well, they did kind of seem to... Let's be honest, that feels like a missed opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 way, the way everyone's dressed, this post-apocalyptic future... Um, I mean, we were getting a bit of that heavy metal stuff intruding into uh, Argento films at this point. Where a little it's bit still, later. Yeah, but at the same time, this seems to me the perfect end—the perfect end to this kind of stuff. But you'd have to hire a band, which would cost money, or pay a band that had already made a song for their song. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. Right? Yeah, that was never going to happen. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it gets a little tricky there, but it would have been great if there was like a really terrible heavy metal soundtrack. Surely, Bruno could have found a Goblin song he wanted to steal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm sure he could have found one he wanted to steal, but I don't know if he's going to get away with it again. He could have hired Sim and Eddie to do something totally cheesed out, Mm -hmm. because he was pretty good about doing that in the 80s. And all that stuff I love, by the way, so I'm not insulting Sim and Eddie. Oh, well, no, no, of course not. I mean... But he, I mean, come on, the Divas theme song is 80s and cheesy as fuck, but it's so awesome. Oh, yeah. It is of its time, and it is therefore beautiful because of what it is. It is a glorious thing. And let's not mention that uh, song from Nightmare Beach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what a sad callback. Simonetti <sighs> was involved in that. Yes, yeah, well, we can't... They can't all be great. We have to remember that. Even our most... Beloved artists often create something that we have to kind of go, yeah, yeah, good try, man. It's a good try. Thank you. Move and, on now. And, and before we uh, started recording, I mentioned this for my own band. My own my my band currently is called Nightmare Beach, and we actually have a song called Nightmare Beach. And uh, and you should need to call your first album Nightmare Beach so you can do the Black Sabbath Bad Company. Yes, kind of thing. That, that's well, probably and, and the record label would be Nightmare, Nightmare Beach. Beach, but. Uh, the other night, I was trying to get some inspiration for the song, and I started watching Nightmare Beach again, and I was like, oh, there's this really terrible song. So now we have a breakdown part where we sing the first few lines of that very <laughs> awful song from Nightmare Beach. Genius. <laughs> you know, inspirado comes at the oddest times, and that may be the inspirado that catapults you to legend probably won't be but still it might be nobody will get the joke but about maybe five people (laughs) (laughs) should should I should I just say Tenacious D straight out or should I just I don't know (laughs) (laughs) well folks how many of you I mean how many Bruno Matai films have each of you seen oh gosh I mean you know rough estimate I know it's hard to count 15 May I? Yeah, that's about right. That's that would be my guess for myself as well. I own quite a few. Yeah. No. But I always for, always get him and Fergrasso mixed up, so I can't remember where one begins and one ends. Easy, to, easy to do, especially in the eighties. Uh, yeah. Was Robo War Matai? I think so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that movie sucks. <laughs> but. You've seen it. I've seen it. Yes. Come on! I mean, that's all I'm asking. I'm not saying did it did it take you to bed and rock your world. I'm asking if you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen quite a. I own quite a few Matai films because I have what the other hell. I have, obviously, this movie. Well, no, I don't have this movie right now. Sold <laughs> not <by> a singer <laughs> because, you're, because you're a crazy person. And you've probably been buying everything that Severin puts out because they most been of it, yeah, putting the stuff out. 
I didn't get the actual films that got put out last year. I did. Yeah, that was great, too. That was a great film. I've gotten those. I've only watched one of them. I, I have to admit, I kind of enjoyed it because I knew what I was walking into. That's the thing, is Bruno Matai is kind of an acquired taste. Yes. Early on, when I first started watching these movies, it was gobbling them down like potato chips. It was the Bruno Matai films that gave me indigestion. Invariably, I would catch one of his movies and go, okay, this Vincent Dom guy I need to avoid. But now I'm kind of drawn to him because once you get a once you get a taste for the, his stuff, you know that it's going to be mostly nothing but ripoff cinema. I mean, Shocking Dark is one of the, is Shocking one, Dark is excellent. But it's 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 nothing but pieces and parts from like Terminator Two. Oh yeah. And Aliens. It's it's this it's this half-assed assembly of sequences from other movies strung together, pretending to be its own movie, with a very low budget. But once you know that that's what you're in for, I have a lot of fun with it. I don't think they're great, but I do enjoy them. I don't know where I don't know I don't know where you guys stand on this. I'll, I'll be honest. I think that as he went along, I mean, I don't. I've been trying to struggle my way through the Bruno Mattei zombie movies he made near the end of his career, and they're rough. I mean, I've got three of them, and I've had them for a couple of years, and I've only been able to struggle through one of them because it's just. Rough. All the charm that a movie like Rats has, um, those movies just don't have for me. And I don't know if part of it is that there's something about the look of a movie like this where they they had these interesting looking sets. Mm -hmm. There was a certain amount of uh, production quality behind it where there is an actual team of people who know how to make a damn movie who seem, even when they're working with tight budgets and you know short schedules are able to put together something that looks like a movie even if everything coming out of everybody's mouths is ridiculous whereas later on i don't know that he's necessarily shooting on video but the look of the films are different it seems like it's uh, seems like it's lit poorly you don't get any depth there's just this flatness to everything and none of it feels like anybody's giving half a shit because sometimes you're you're pretty sure most of the cast isn't really sure what the hell is going on most of the time? Well, the the Italian the Italian genre center was in a shitter by the oh well, way before the nineties. Anyway. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I even even the horror genre itself was kind of in a shitter by the nineties. The nineties was a rough decade in general. Yeah, yeah. There was some good stuff, but it was not. There wasn't a lot of it. So I just have to. I I I, I have a general distrust of like movies, horror movies from the 90s on I'm not going to say that there weren't good movies made but I'll look I'll, I'll look at a movie and go what is this about that's probably going to suck <laughs> well that's just it I I think there was there was a bit of a resurgence in horror in general not in Italian exploitation cinema yeah. of course but the horror genre itself has turned into I mean it, it is an, an ever changing ever morphing genre that is always picking and choosing what pieces it can put together to create something new and different and that to me is the joy of it because i like watching horror movies a horror movie made this year versus a horror movie made 50 years ago because i want to see how they do the thing that they're trying to do even if i don't enjoy it at least i'm able to enjoy it on the level of well you know it was here's here's how they played with the various pieces of what you make a horror movie out of so part of what I've learned to enjoy about a Bruno Mattai film is it's pieces and parts stolen outright from other movies. And he's just kind of, I don't know, 
I won't say jigsaw puzzle because it doesn't fit together well, but he's kind of super gluing these various pieces of various different puzzles together and hoping that everybody thinks it's an actual movie. In the case of Rats, it actually feels like an entire movie. It feels like he's not necessarily stealing parts from other movies. He's stealing various looks, kind of the way characters uh, appear, how they interact. But there's something slightly more interesting going on with this. And, of course, that's kind of summed up in that insane batshit ending, which is the thing that pretty much everybody remembers about this movie. So let's spoil it. Let's... I, was about, I was about to say, before we spoil this, we're going to warn you that we're, we're about to spoil the ending of this, which is that... Anybody who's made it this far isn't going to care. <laughs> probably not. I'm glad of that. But what happens is that the people who come up from the underground are uh, they're elephants. They've been mutated, and they still have the trunks. And so, wait, is that that's the version you saw, right? It is. Yes. Okay. So elephants, and they come up, and strangely enough, they're very strange elephants who wear yellow hazmat suits. I'm lying, and they're fucking rats, just like the goddamn title of the movie tells you. It's unforgettable, and it's one of those things where they really telegraph the shit out of it. I'll admit, the first time I saw the movie, I maybe was inebriated. This was 20 years ago. And maybe I just wasn't picking up on the vibe the film was throwing out. But nowadays, it's just it's just a joyous anticipation when, they, when that freaking mask comes off and we see the giant two-legged rat. And I just want to say those weren't hazmat suits. Well, they're supposed to be hazmat suits. They're rain suits. I could tell by looking at them. I used to have one. Hey, let let let, let these these cheap Italian bastards have a little something. Come I mean, on. They, the rats are protected from the rain. That's There's right. That. If you've ever smelled a wet rat, <laughs> it's bad. And one thing I was wondering because the budget on this thing obviously was no, was low. Is I was oh, yeah. wondering if the cast of humans doubled as the people in the rain suits. Oh God, who knows? That is a good question because that. Saves them from having to pay for extras. And I, I was digging and digging. And the only actor I was able to verify was the actual rat who unmasked. Okay. And I was able to verify. And it was, let's see, the invisible chimp. Yes. You know, I have found that in my life I've made many mistakes. Many, 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 many mistakes. Top five (laughs) don't really involve you. But number six, number six is definitely getting to know John Hudson. (laughs) Number seven. Bobby Hazard. Yeah. <laughs> you were nine. You're number nine. I hate to tell okay. you this. There are okay, other things fine. I regret more. But. Is it safe to say that Rats, Night of Terror, is the megaforce <laughs> of Italian post-apocalyptic films? <laughs> no, because I enjoy this movie. <laughs> I enjoy Megaforce, motherfucker. you? <laughs> hey, deeds, not words, my friend. <laughs> I will tell you this. I have struggled... To watch Megaforce and enjoy it. And I don't know that I can make myself ever do it again. So little happens in that movie that it is just painful. Not even Henry Silva can make me enjoy that fucking movie. Oh, God. If Henry Silva can't juice a film, you have made a mistake. 
I own two copies of it. Of course you own two copies of it. You're insane. And I saw it in a movie theater when I was a kid. That's probably why you still like it. (laughs) That reason right there. But see, I, when I was a kid, saw the movie Chomps, and I know it's bad. You should be able to look at this film as well. You should Wait a minute. To... I've got an autographed copy of the Chomps Blu-ray signed by Wesley Ewer. Thanks to me. And that's something that's wrong with you. We're not talking about you right now. We'll get to you. Let's talk about Bobby Hazard and his Megaforce problem. This He needs therapy. Uh-oh. This is a therapy question. This is something he should be seeing a professional about. Maybe medication will help him. I, maybe, but I want to go back. Don't Do not insult Chomps. <laughs> the next thing you know, you're going to be running down Digby, the biggest dog in the world. I can't run down Digby because I've never seen the damn thing. I just realized two episodes in a row I've called him a motherfucker. For sitting <laughs> in a movie I like. <laughs> Well, well, I'm sure I've done the same to you, <laughs> That's what friends are for. So, friends, let's just sum this up by saying, rats, is, 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 am, I, am I a genius for picking this or what? Speaking of genius... Uh, no, 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 you didn't answer the question. <laughs> speaking of genius, uh, HUD's got to pick the next one. That's right, and I've got a good pick. Also, speaking of genius... Lanny Poffa was not in Grunt the Wrestling Movie. But he is a genius. <laughs> he is a genius. <laughs> That's good to know. You could have just said three words in Portuguese and it would make as much sense to me. So that's good. And should I add the other known fact about Lanny Poffo? <laughs> should, should I leave that out? Yeah, I'd leave that out. <laughs> Let's just say that Lanny Poffo and Ron Jeremy had one thing in common. <laughs> Folks, it is now time to uh, to apologize, really. <laughs> and Rats is the megaforce of Italian post-apocalyptic <laughs> films, by the way. Let's, let's not damn it. With, anyway, all right. <laughs> Mr. Hudson, do you already know what you're going to subject us to? The yes, I do. Oh, my God. What is your choice, sir? I, it is actually a pretty classy movie by our standards. Eating Raul will be my pick oh. for the next film. That is kind of a classic, but good movie too. Yeah. And guess what? I've never seen it. Really? You know what? You are going. You are. Go- it's a. It's. You're going to enjoy it. It's a good film. It's an. It's an actual, especially for us, good movie, and it's funny as hell. Well, as long as it's not the last one you chose. Which one was the last one I chose? God, what was the last one? You- I think we may have purged it from our memory. The Clint Howard movie. No, no, I've picked. Oh, well, I've picked Evil since Speak. It. I mean, Evil Speak. It's Evil, Evil Speak's what it's going to be. Evil Speak is brutal. We've done some of mine since Evil Speak. What have we done since then? Oh my God, what did we do since? Now then? I can't remember, but I know we've done them because Evil Speak was a couple years ago. Yeah, oh, that's was? True. I thought it was the last one. Okay, see, I tells you how much I remember. Well, it also tells you you may have really purged whichever one it was that you're holding a grudge against him out of your brain. No, uh, Evil Speak is the only one. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good movie. <laughs> Uh-huh. I've I've come to appreciate evil speak. Not me. Good is a relative term. Well, but, you're gonna like eating Rogel, I think. It's a good film. I haven't seen that in a very long time. But yeah, that was a uh, I think that was an HBO discovery back in the uh, '80s, probably. From I actually saw it in the theater. Cool, cool, cool. Because I loved Paul Bartel and Mary Warnoff from. Yep. I was about to say are they in it because oh, yeah, I love yeah. them. It's a, yeah, Paul Bartel. Uh, I believe wrote it. 
Indirect. Ah, okay. Yeah. Even better. I yeah. love pa- Paul Bartel. I love Mary Warnock. That's why I said I think. And them together, know. they're twice as good yeah. as they are apart. It's really good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Rock and Roll High School is one of my all time favorite movies. Mm-hmm. So. Well, that was actually the first film that uh, Rod and I did on on the Bloody Pit was Rock and Roll High School. Oh, nice. Also a big fan of uh, Death Race 2000. Mm-hmm. Yes, I love that movie yeah. as well. Yeah. I can't remember what else they've been in together, but uh, oh, every time they're on yeah. screen, it's always like. Oh, yeah, this is awesome. It's very cool stuff. That's a good choice. That's a good choice. Yes. Well, guys, Bobby, Mr. Hudson. Yes, sir. like to thank both of you for coming on and talking about Rats. That That's not... Rats. It's a 1984 film, not talking about the verminish creatures that get set on fire in this poor film. Or Stephen Piercy, Robin Crosby, oh, Juan Crochier, Warren D. Martini, and that would be, Bobby that would Blotzer. Be rat singular, but with a double T. Well, would each guy, would you say they are the rats or members of rats? I, I think you'd have to talk to them about that. I think that uh, that's, a, that's a question for them. Well, there are actually two competing versions of rat touring. In there time. is? Yes. So That happens a lot. So, rats. fair point everyone thank you for listening to this if you have any comments about what sorry sacks of shit that we are talking about this movie oh man the bloody pit at gmail.com is the place to send your derisive missives tell them we need to watch grunt the wrestling movie that's right there's nothing stopping you from watching grunt the wrestling movie with you there is something stopping you from that. I'll grant you that. But nevertheless, folks, thank you for listening to the show. I think everyone who listens should buy a copy of that movie and send it to Rod. Yes, I agree. That, no. no. We're going to do it one day. I don't think I can get rid of that many copies of a movie at McKay's profitably. So no, don't do that. Uh, this maybe. is going to happen. Yeah, it is. It's going to happen. Never in a million years. But folks, thank you once again for listening to the show, and we will talk to you again soon. Mr. Hudson? Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you, as always. Baba. Thank you for having me. Love you guys. Spring break forever. Eventually I have another podcast up. <laughs> he says. All right, guys. We'll talk to you all again soon. finish can we look forward to? More mad than glassy. Diana. Where's Diana? Wish she was right here next to you. God knows. God damn it! Diana!